order. I am the DOS Commissioner, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv. The Commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you. Commissioners, please respond with President when I, President, when I call your name. Uh, President Janet Spears? is excused today, she's off. Uh, Vice President Nelson Lum. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bidner. Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang. Present. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington. Present. Commissioner Martha Knutson. Present. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, who's excused. And DOS Deputy Director Cindy Coppin. Present. Thank you, we have a quorum. Commissioners, the next item, item three is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item in this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are, are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call one 655 Zero 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 one access code two five nine four four two three eight zero one four pound and then pound again. When connected, will we hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you'll be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and it will be included as part of the official docket. Are, any other communications, are there any other communications from DOS commission members? No. We can go on to the next one. Great, thank you. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of the Wednesday, June 7th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions uh, regarding the Wednesday, June 7th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes from commissioners? 
Mr. Secretary, I don't see anyone. So, Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on the item? Is there anyone from the public that would like to comment? Uh, moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll hold for callers. Uh, moderator, are there any callers in the queue? We um, have no callers in the queue. Thank you. We can go on to the vote. Great, then thanks. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, June 7th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes? So um, moved. From, I'll say, uh, Linda, uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington and a second from um, Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, June 7th, 2023 DOS Commission meeting minutes? Uh, Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Right. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, item five is executive director's report, and thank you for uh, substituting. We're glad to hear from DOS Deputy Director Cindy Kaufman today. Thank you, Commissioner. So I know that Director Dearman usually gives you some federal updates, state and local. We have just a couple for federal, and I have really primarily just a budget update for state and then both budget and some department updates um, locally. So from federal perspective, U.S. Aging Board of Directors had their elections recently, and um, Director Dearman was confirmed to serve as an alternate board member for Region 9, representing this region. Um, she's at the conference now. I'm sure she will have more updates when she gets back, um, when we meet again in September. Um, and then my other update is around the Administration for Community Living, and they are seeking feedback on proposed regulations for the Older Americans Act. And I know that the California um, Area Agencies on Aging are coming together as a statewide, all the AAAs, uh, to submit a consolidated input. And there's also ways for individuals to submit directly. Um, anyone who is interested in improving implementation of the Older Americans Act programs and services, I have a copy, um, an overview an overview of the proposed rule. If anybody is interested, I can give it to Ravi and he can send it out. Um, and then as I mentioned, the state, I'm gonna kind of pump forward as part of our budget, overall budget um, updates. And so then locally, the budget, as I mentioned, we've gotten 381,000 a year ongoing in new funding. And this includes 101,000 mayoral investments for the senior escorts program. And then three ad backs, 75,000 for adult day services in District 1, 100,000 for food access in District 11, and then 85,000 for Chinese language community connector services, and that one will be citywide. Um, we usually see significantly more in ad backs, so this year it was, it reflects what the budget is, um, I think. And then there was also a technical correction. Um, there was another 20,000 for outreach services in District 4. And what this does, this Gordon Marr, when he was supervisor, um, had a one-time add back. And so what this does is, is make it ongoing. Um, so there's, from the budget perspective, no impact on any community-based programs, despite those deficit targets. Um, we will. Uh, maintain our existing service levels going forward. 
So for Dignity Fund, I think you all know there's no $3 million in Dignity Fund growth for 23-24. Right now, there is $3 million in growth for 24-25. But city deficit is projected to deepen next year, so we shall see when we hit budget time next year. And then there is um, the supervisors recommended a 075 cost of doing business, COD B increase. This makes COD B a total of 3.75 for fiscal year 23-24. So we are in discussions with um, Mayor's Budget Office as well as the Controller's Office <clears throat> on financing the portion of COD B that Dignity Fund growth would normally cover. So no new news at this point in time. Stay tuned. Um, then state funding. Over, there's uh, over $4 million in new state grant allocations in fiscal year 24, and this includes area plan of 378000 more than the fiscal year 23 base allocation. It also includes, which we heard about last month, the Modernizing Older Americans Act, the 371000 for nutrition and $1.3 million for supportive services, and then $2.2 million for the digital divide, and this includes iPads, digital literacy, uh, broadband, and more about iPads in a, in a minute. Um, so this particular grant funding will help us maintain the service levels we have. Um, so next up, I believe Board of Supervisors had a meeting yesterday. Um, it goes to the budget, then goes back to the mayor's office for signature. We don't anticipate, I don't believe, I have not heard of any changes at all. So then for department updates, I've got two. One is in-home supportive services and the other is Office of Community Partnerships. So in-home supportive services, on July 1, the Department of Social Services implemented a new electronic visit verification protocols. Say that one really fast three times. Um, and it's for, for the program itself. The new protocols were required by the federal government. Um, these changes impact providers who don't reside with the consumer themselves. And there's about 65% of IHSS independent providers do not live with an IHSS consumer. Um, so these folks are required to check in and check out at the beginning and end of each workday and then indicate whether the services were in home or in the community. Um, the state also developed to help implement this, they developed a mobile app to be able to use, but there's not a requirement. They also, the providers, they're able to utilize an, a, a portal, an electronic services portal, as well as a telephone timesheet system, which uses the recipient's landline um, to carry out the, the very same process. So the check-in, check-out, and location information that then populates their timesheets automatically, making it much easier and quicker for them when they're submitting at the end of a pay period. Um, no penalties for providers if they need to go in and make changes to their check-in and check-out or their location. Um, there's also no penalty for providers, uh, or no penalty um, for the providers. Let me start again. 
no changes for the providers that are living with the recipients of IHSS, and there's no changes for the consumers themselves. Um, so our Independent Provider Assistance Center, which we often refer to as IPAC, is available to support providers with this. And I am going to put out the phone number in case anybody who's watching or listening needs some assistance, and that phone number is 415-557-6200. And then for OCP updates. Um, so as I kind of alluded to, um, the DOS received 1,400 iPads from the Department of Aging's the Digital Connections program a couple of weeks ago. Um, DOS will work with the SF-connected providers who include Community Living Campaign, Self-Help for the, for the Elderly, and Tech Network. And so they will do inventories, they'll do setup, and then they'll prepare the devices for distribution to the community. Um, the San Francisco Connected Program and providers, they've really developed themselves as the leading organization that can support digital inclusion. Um, they've, they've also established a pretty robust referral pipeline, as well as community-based organizations serving older adults and adults with disabilities. Um, they will lead the tracking, the deployment, the assessment, and support of the devices. Um, if somebody is not connected to one of the community service centers or an aging and disability resource center or any of the other DOS services, they can always call the Benefits and Resource Hub in order to get referred to the program. And I'm gonna put that phone number out there. Um, I'm gonna live my life putting all of these phone numbers out there. That one is 415-355-6700. Um, and then these devices also came with funding from the Department of Aging. Um, it's also di digital literacy training, and which was presented at June Commission as well. And they increase the SF Connected Program's capacity and provide an additional 6,400 hours of training and 2,800 2, hours of tech support. So that's pretty cool. Um, I know we've had so many meetings where it's like we, we what we need are more iPads, so we've got them. Um, so now for staff, a couple of staff updates. Um, I want to announce that on June 20th, we welcome Shannon Morgan as our new IHSS program director. Um, Shannon is a San Francisco native, 18 years of public service experience that she obtained in San Mateo County. I feel a direct affiliation because I obtained my experience in San Francisco and live in Napa, so I totally get it. Um, she worked in multiple ca capacities, although she's a, she has specialized in the administration of protective and supportive services for older adults and people with disabilities. Most recently, Shannon worked in a senior management role with the Aging and Adult Service Division of San Mateo County's Health Department. During her 10 years in that division, she had leadership oversight of essential social service programs. These included conservatorship investigations, public guardian, representative payee, linkages, case management, and a 24-hour information and referral hotline for older people and adults with disabilities. In addition, she developed and launched multiple programs focused on supporting vulnerable adults, including the Division's Coordinated Care Initiative Program and the Elder Independent Adult Protection Team, which was a specialized unit within Adult Protective Services. 
Um, before joining the Aging and Adult Services Division, she spent eight years working for San Mateo County's Human Services Agency in Children and Family Services Division, and as, as an emergency response social worker, as well as an interim social worker supervisor. Um, additionally, she serves on the board of directors for St. Mary's Garden Elderly Housing Corporation in Oakland. Um, we're very excited, and Shannon, I'm gonna ask you to stand up so people can put a face to your wonderful experience. Thank you. And so um, I believe that uh, Director Dearman mentioned Maceo Persson at the last commission meeting and did his intro, but I would like him to also stand so you can also put a face to all the good things you heard about him last month. As Kelly mentioned, Maceo is our new special projects manager. So then last update, but certainly not least, is July is Disability Pride Month. And we are celebrating the um, putting the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act into law back on July 26, 1990. Um, the um, Mayor's Office on Disability is using this time and actually using July 26 uh, to support the professionals in the um, in departments who are the ADA coordinators. So bringing departments together, ADA coordinators from the various departments next week, which is going to be a great um, event. Also, um, MTA featured Disability Pride Month on their most recent podcast. And Nicole Bond, who's the executive director of Mayor's Office on Disability, sent me the link. I haven't had a chance to look at it. She said it's really good. She participated along with Annette Williams, who um, recently retired, who is the director of accessible services. So happy to share that out with anybody who's interested as well. And that is for very few updates. I had a lot of updates. <laughs> Thank you for the very comprehensive um, report. Uh, do we have any comments or questions by commissioners? Uh, um, commissioner yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, anything uh, from? Oh, go ahead. No, no. I had a question, I'm still going to be any public um, celebration. So Commissioner, I don't know, and we were talking about this internally, I don't, currently don't know of a full public celebration. I will find out. One of the things we talked about is we had some great ideas um, and Maceo, when he came on board, actually we were talking about it. The problem is with the great ideas, getting them in place yeah. in time for the month. So stay tuned, but I will also find out if the city, if there are any other public cel celebrations and I will get that out to the commission. Um, because I would like to go if there is one. Thank you. Any other, go ahead. I just have a brief comment, Deputy Director Kaufman. I just, uh, thank you for a very comprehensive report. And I just are uh, focusing on, on what you said in terms of uh, budget um, and recognizing that these are very challenging budget times for us. What I heard bright lights is 
no impact on our community-based programs. Correct. So, yeah, no really, new funding, no yes. new programs, right. but we no, will, we've got- No impact. No impact. So that's good news. Yeah. Thank you. All right, we can move along then. Okay, commissioners, item six is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, uh, Deputy Director Kaufman, President Knudsen, and the DOS Commission will honor Flora Chan, who is a medical social worker at the DOS Integrated Intake Department. Okay, Flora. Okay. Okay, so this one I am going to read, and um, because staff put it together, and it's always always wonderful to hear how your coworkers think, so I will read this. Flora Chan is a medical social worker with DOS Integrated Intake Unit who possesses amazing communication skills with her clients and coworkers. I actually was able to experience that myself, and it is amazing. Um, she has extensive knowledge of community resources and services, shows true patience and understanding when working with clients and service providers that both when they come into Tugoff Hub as well as over the phone on the intake hotline. Flora is an essential team member at the integrated intake unit where her compassion towards all of our clients is unmatched. Flora has been with DOS Integrated Intake Unit since 2016, and she's an indispensable team member who is always happy to provide assistance of any kind to her colleagues. Over the years, Flora has been involved in virtual and in-person presentations throughout the community to help educate seniors, disabled adults, caregivers, family members, and service providers about the vast array of services DOS has to offer. More recently, Flora was involved in a DOS intake outstation at the San Francisco Public Library main branch where she was able to interact with members of the community and provide education and guidance around DOS services. I actually was very excited because I heard about that from somebody in the community and as much as we're constantly trying to get our name out there and what we do, it was very gratifying to hear about it specifically. So. Um, Flora's hard work uh, at DOS intake is greatly appreciated and she's always trying to enhance and improve her knowledge of services and social work skills. We at DOS and everyone at the integrated intake unit would like to recognize and thank Flora for all of her hard work and dedication and let her know how fortunate we are for her commitment to her clients and to her colleagues. Thank you again and congratulations for being chosen. Oh, you want to say something? Oh, okay, say something. sure. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Cindy. Um, so I just want to say that how grateful and uh, lucky that I'm able to work for the city and county here. And I've been with the intake unit uh, since 2016. So I've got, I've got very good supervisors and colleagues and, and all my supporters are here. Yeah. So um, I, I'm just very honored. Uh, and it's always good to be recognized. And, so thank you very much, and uh, with that said, we'll need to go back to work, so, all right? Let's do a picture.
stage player. Commissioners, item seven is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence, who will be joining us via WebEx. Good morning, commissioners. Um, Deputy Director Kaufman. Um, I have a brief report um, this morning. Um, the advisory council met on June 21st with a quorum. That is a challenge at the moment. So we have instituted an RSVP program so that um, if we have to cancel, we know prior to the meeting. Um, we welcomed a Maceo person um, as the new special projects manager, and we'll have Maceo come speak to us in the future about um, his projects and um, keep us updated on what's going on. We look forward to working with him in the future. And. Um, we had one council member, Dr. Alan Cooper, reported on the home safe presentation he had seen, and we'll be reaching out for a guest speaker at a later meeting. And then we, um, the majority of the meeting was taken up with our guest speaker, Kate Hopke, from um, Executive Director of San Francisco Village. I've detailed most of the information in my report that I believe you've all received. Um, one of the things I did wanna say is that this was a lively discussion um, so as much as it was presentation, it was also discussion with um, the council members and um, executive director Hopke. I think it was a well received by everyone. Um, this is a volunteer based organization. And um, one of the things that struck me is that they have 200 plus intergenerational volunteers and they really stress um, volunteerism. Um, both from the community and within the village. They're looking at uh, expanding um, their services to currently there are 14 neighborhood groups with two LGBTQ groups. They're looking to expand that as they move forward. Um, we at the, um, and there's also a statewide group. So statewide, there are only 45 villages, uh, which seems small to me. Um, so we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll keep that dialogue going in the future. The next focus is on membership. We did have one member resign her commission appointed seat uh, due to family members. Kay did a lot of outreach for new members. Um, she worked with the board of supervisors on, on getting membership and she will be missed. Hopefully when family matters um, slow up, she'll be able to join us in the future. Uh, we discussed the Board of Supervisor positions that are not fail, filled, and members are working with their contacts in the community. And since that meeting, we may have referrals for District 1 and District 7. Um, so we will continue to uh, follow up with those. There are also five commission seats vacant, so uh, again, we are reaching out as best we can to find, um, to find members um, to, to round out our, uh, our group. And our guest speaker, who was still there uh, when we were having this discussion, said she'd, she'd look, keep an eye out in for candidates, and we gave her the um, district vacancies as well. So that'll reach into the community. In fact, one of our uh, members currently is a, a member of the uh, San Francisco Village. 
So that pretty much rounded out our June meeting. Uh, we meet tomorrow. So um, I will have a dual report for you in September when we meet again. Great. Are there any questions? Yeah, any questions from commissioners? We can move along. Okay, commissioners, item nine, uh, item eight is the joint, is the tech, joint legislative tech report also presented by advisor council president Diane Lawrence. Okay, we didn't have a TAC meeting um, since our last, since our June meeting. I believe our next one is in September. Um, we met also on June 20, the Joint Ledge met on June 21st. There was no quorum. Um, we welcomed, the committee welcomed Tia Small from the Advisory Council, and she's filling former council member Allegra Fortunati's position. A question arose as the purpose of the committee came up, and that was discussed, and we'll discuss it further tomorrow morning at our meeting uh, at both the uh, joint ledge and the commission meeting. So I will have a report after that meeting for the commission. Um, we don't want to lose sight. Um, we want to make sure that we're being advocates on behalf of our constituents and using our time wisely. And so we some research has been done, thank you, Deputy Director Kaufman did some research on duties and requirements of joint ledge. I reached out to the department, to the Commission on Aging, and really most of our work should be on advocacy. So we want to we want to work forward on we want to going forward want to make sure we're aligned with C4A, and we will um, be looking at how best to use our time. Um, I've talked with a couple of TAC members for some insight and need to follow up a little further. And as I said, we'll discuss um, the future of Joint Ledge at our meeting tomorrow, and then I will give a complete report uh, prior, possibly prior to your September meeting, uh, but definitely in September. And then we uh, reviewed major changes uh, in the updated bills. We're getting to that period where the legislature is on summer recess probably all want to get out of the heat of Sacramento. And then uh, they'll come back and they have that tight, that narrow time frame to complete most of their work by October. So typically the joint ledge takes October, uh, November, usually meet in October to just summarize. And then we take November and December off till we begin again. Um, and I don't foresee us not doing that. We'll bring that up again tomorrow as well. Um, so that's where the joint ledge stands there seem to be um we also want to make sure that the bills we're looking at are the ones that really um impact our constituencies um and so often other things um come under aging that uh, may or may not um have direct Im impact so again are there any questions are there any questions from commissioners Okay, no, we look forward and thank you for the work that you're putting in to take a look at the Legislative Committee. We appreciate that and um, look forward to what your suggested changes will be. But I know it's work, that's work <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and uh, th we appreciate that you're, you're taking a look and making sure that our focus is correct and we're being efficient with our resources. So thank you for that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I think we can move along. Okay, commissioners, item nine is the case report presented by Daniel Gallagher, and he'll be presenting via WebEx as well. 
Good morning, commissioners and directly director um, Kaufman. Um, obviously presenting from WebEx because I have a board meeting right after I speak today. Um, and my report be uh, rather brief. Uh, regarding case programming in June, as I mentioned in the um, earlier meeting last month, Dr. Corinne Fergoni uh, reviewed how Medicare Advantage and the ACO reach to private for non-for-profit programs are threatening to bankrupt the Medicare Trust Fund and what actions um, we all could take to protect Medicare as a public trust and a service. In July, our meeting host was Judith Dancer, who presented on Sequoia Living Center programs. And I shared a, a brief video of the uh, Sequoia Living Senior Centers there with you. Um, and we also had Dr. Jacqueline Contrera-Avia uh, presenting on tobacco use via harm reduction. And the presentation focused on tobacco use amongst older adults to help providers understand how much older adults are exposed to tobacco, what we can do to help them quit smoking and learn of potential alternatives to reduce tobacco harm among those who are not willing to quit smoking. And I also shared the link to Dr. Avia's presentation there. And in August, uh, we are looking forward to Vanessa Souza, who's a senior manager with the Community Engagement Program of the Alzheimer's Association. And Dr. Souza, I mean, uh, Vanessa Souza, rather, will be presenting um, upcoming programs and services provided by the Alzheimer's Association. So we're looking forward to that. There hasn't been a lot of case activity. Uh, quite frankly, uh, we as a service provider working group uh, are hoping to meet with uh, DOS staff regarding their funding plan prior to the November Dignity Fund Oversight and Advisory Committee meeting. Um, and we are, uh, those dates are still being considered. I think right now we're looking at possible dates in August. Um, and this would be a listening session uh, probably in conjunction with the Dignity Fund Coalition meeting to give opinion on areas of priority as the department begins its process for their one-time only spending plan. Um, we don't expect a department presentation at that meeting, but again, it's just a listening session so we can, the service provider working group can talk about areas of priority. And as, uh, in terms of Budget advocacy, as Director uh, Kaufman mentioned, um, uh, the, the Dignity Fund uh, contribution has been suspended this year. Um, it does not look like there will be much, um, if any, uh, money that would be coming through the ad back process. I think that is done now. Um, and so we are just looking uh, now to the one-time only spending plan. Um, and that's my brief report for today. Thank you. Are there any questions or comments from commissioners for Mr. Gallagher? Okay, seeing none, thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioners, item 10 is general public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? 
Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. That concludes public comment. Commissioners, your next item is item 11, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. No old business, not on WebEx, okay. That concludes that. And we can move on to new business. Thank you. Commissioners, the next item, uh, agenda item is item 12, new business, and it will incorporate uh, items 12A through 12N. They're all action items that require a vote by the commission. Um, the first is requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Community Music Center for the provision of neighborhood, a neighborhood choirs program during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $1,059,204 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,165,124. And Michael Zog will present this item with, I believe, some help. Yes, Today. good morning, commissioners. <laughs> I am uh, Mike Zog, program director for Office of Community Partnerships. A uh, lot of excitement for this first item this morning. This is a new grant agreement with uh, the Community Music Center, a new four-year grant agreement for, for their neighborhood uh, based uh, choir programs. This is a new grant with them, but we've worked with them for a couple of years now. Um, they have been wonderful to work with. This is a very popular program, um, and this this is also this program has also been studied and was the subject of the uh, Community of Voices uh, a study by UCSF, demonstrating the impact that it has had on uh, program participants. Um, sort of at its core, this grant supports the operation of 15 distinct neighborhood choirs, uh, leading them through practices, uh, scheduling regular performances, uh, and coordinating at least one large gathering of all the choirs together. Um, I think one thing I want to highlight about this program is kind of the lens that Community Music Center looks through when they set these, when, when they work with these programs. And I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing Sylvia Sherman when they say they they say who is the community and what mu and what is the music that has the most meaning to them. And through that sort of lens and process, they are able to. Uh, to get a choir director and staff who are invested in and reflecting that community and a, a, a repertoire and participants who are really engaged and have real meaning in the, the music they're performing. I think some of the most obvious ways that that sort of demonstrates itself is through bilingual um, bilingual practice um, and selection of, of foreign language um, uh, uh, music, including uh, uh, training and songs in Filipino and Spanish languages. A couple highlights amongst the, the groups, uh, amongst the 15 choirs mentioned in there. Over the past couple years, the Visitation Valley and Bayview choirs had kind of been coordinating and working together to kind of support one another. Um, they have grown over the past year or so to the point where they are now two independent operating uh, choirs in the southeastern side of the city. Uh, a couple of new choirs. Uh, the newest ones are is the Downtown Senior Center, uh, located in the Tenderloin, as well as a new choir at Open House, um, focusing on the LGBTQ community, which had a rapid rise forming in the spring of this year and was so ready to go that they had multiple performances during uh, Pride Month uh, uh, last month. 
Uh, another quick thing I want to highlight is the budget uh, document, which is notable because it's shorter than, than many of the, doc, the budget documents that we have. Um, I think what's unique about this one is they, CMC is using all funding on, on essentially um, personnel um, and a little bit of indirect costs and no um, operating expenses. Um, they are covering those operating expenses through leveraging of other resources. Um, a lot of that is in-kind use of, of, of community spaces like community centers where they're not having to pay rent, but there are operational costs that they do cover. Um, these are things such as musical equipment, um, speakers, music stands, printing costs. Um, as well as um, office space at their, their headquarters in the mission. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions uh, the commission might have. Any comments or questions from commissioners? Um, Commissioner Jones? Comment and a question. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm really pleased um, to see this grant and it's an amazing program. Um, my one question has to do with potential expansion. Um, in looking at the 15 different groups um, and the various districts, I notice uh, what's not what's missing are districts three, four, six, and seven. Is there any potential that might be expansion to this program, or is this too early to ask? You know, I th I think it's a something we should be thinking about. You mentioned your districts. I think that increasing our involvement with adults with disabilities in this program is also a priority for the department. Um, I think it's something that. We'll, we are going to have to continue to talk with uh, with CMC and think about budget picture over the next couple of years. Yeah. Thank you. Um, any other, please? Um, I just, uh, I, I would also just like to say this sounds like a fantastic program. I mean, I, I personally start my every day with music and singing and it okay. doesn't matter who's okay. around. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's a, it's a very healing process and then coming together singing is, is even more so, uh, creating more community. So I'm really thrilled to see that we're funding something like this so, so broadly. So thank you. I, I think that we're, if we, anyone from the public who wishes to comment on um, item 12A. Do we have any members from the public who would like to comment? I think so. <laughs> My name is Felicia Tipodo. I'm the executive director of Southwest Community Corporation, also known as IT Bookman Community Center. And I am here to express sheer gratitude for the Community Music Center and their choir program. I've been a part of it in one point or another, from the study to full implementation of the choir that we have at IT Bookman, and I firsthand have witnessed the transformation of um, introverts who were home during COVID, scared to come out, but easing their way out, and the building of networks within that group. It is and has proven to be a gem in our community, our choir, um, the performances, the camaraderie, and I 100% am so excited that DOS is funding and looking at possible expansions, and I really support um, Community Music Center. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any other? Any other members of the public? CMC Biennian Choir, and we would like to give a very short presentation to see 
uh, of what we do. Okay. to go out on a limb, but I think that's the best public comment we've ever had. <laughs> so th thank you so much. It's so good to just, this feels like, um, I know COVID is not over, but it feels like people are gathering once again, and this really helped uh, state that joy <laughs> that I think comes from coming together. So thank you so much for coming today. Any other public comment on this item? Yes. Please come up. Good morning, commissioners. Go ahead. I am here to represent the Bayanihan Choir. I'm new in the community, and every time they sing my song, I'm Filipino. It just touched my heart. So one day, I was invited to watch their show, and one of them named Liwayway Gonzalez invited me. Please stand, <laughs> Nanay. That's my mom, <laughs> my play mom. <laughs> she invited me and she said, come, come watch. And I was just in the pew, just watching them. As, as you see, my eyes still tears as I hear the Filipino song. It's just simple as love, but it resonates deep within me. So I swear, I said, I'm going to be joining this group. The next day, I said, Robin, I want to join the group. And he said, OK, I'd like you to come next week. And from there on, the story, to make the story short, I become a member of the group. We go to practices every Wednesday, and we just sing songs in different areas. And I enjoy my, my time with them. I am homeless for two years. I live in the shelter. When I joined the group a week ago, I'm housed. And I'm housed in the best senior center. I'm 62. I just look young. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mission Creek Community Senior Center. And the love of these people is overwhelming. My house is filled with all their donations from their pockets, from microwave to whatever. The community doesn't have no Filipino there. I am the first Filipino to live in that community. And we have to put our flag in there because each one who lives in the community have a flag. And the first time that we have to raise our flag in there, 
dining center. So with this, I'd like to end my little testimony about my journey. It doesn't end here, it will be continuing. And with your support, I really love to see myself grow in this Bayanihan Choir. Do we ha have any more public comment on this item? Please, please, yeah. I am Angie Bagares, a pure Filipino, but now an American, and only 77 years young. I've been joining the chorus since 2012 in the 30th Senior Center, and un until now, I belong here now in the Bayanian Choir Center, choir at here at uh, 6th Street and Mission. And the reason why we have to have continue this singing program of the adults, because it helps the seniors to be physically, mentally, socially fit, and physically, because uh, if our vocal cords are not used, it will shrink, it's like a fruit, and it will close, and our voice will be squeaky voice. It's like a voice under the grave. And so, and also, it helps in our brain because you have to memorize the, our song. And also, our hearing, because you have to hear, to have a, what, what's the tone, what's, what's the, the tune of that, the don't remi paso latido. And also, <laughs> how to speak. So it develops all our physical faculties. And also, socially, because we have to dress up, <laughs> especially for the concert, just like today, see? <laughs> and also, and we have to meet our friends, we have to talk, and we hear gossips from our friends, what's happening to our friends? <laughs> see, if they are absent from the choir, they will see me checking up, what's happening to her? Oh, she's sick. Oh, and then, so that's it socially. And then mentally, I said brain. And so we need more funding for this to make the seniors live longer and be happy and enjoy life. Thank you very much. I, I, do we have any other public comment on item 12A? Uh, moderator, can you please open the phone lines for public comment yeah. on um, agenda item 12A? Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have nobody in the queue. Thank you very much. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. I have a feeling the commissioners are going to line up to, <laughs> to make a motion, so I'll look this way for a motion. Do you want uh, so moved. Okay, thank you. Uh, a second, second from Commissioner Jung, a, a, a motion by uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington. Um, uh, sec Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item 12A? Okay. Yes, thank you. We need to, to do a roll call. Oh, let's do the roll call vote. Yeah. Uh, we have your uh, Vice President Nelson Lum. How do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. 
Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you, folks. You're funded. <laughs> at least I know there's some details there. I, I understand the staff's going to get mad at me, but okay. Um, then let's move on to item B. I'm requesting authorization to enter into a grant with the Institute on Aging for provision of the Home Safe Program for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2025 in the amount of $5 million plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $5,500,000. And Ben Sustados will, I believe, yes, there you are, will present this item. Hi there. Wow. Tough one to follow. <laughs> um, dear commissioners, uh, Deputy Director Kaufman, uh, we're requesting authorization to enter into a grant with the Institute on Aging for the provision of the Home Safe Program activities for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2025 in the amount of $5 million plus a 10% contingency for a total not to exceed $5,500,000. The home, uh, original HomeSafe pilot became operational in July of 2019, and here in San Francisco, we initiated the program exclusively as an eviction prevention resource for self-neglecting low-income older adults and adults with disabilities at imminent risk of eviction. The program scope has been expanded since the original pilot to broaden its definitions of constituents facing housing instability as well as services counties can offer for the older adults and adults with disabilities experiencing homelessness under the program. At this time, dedicated APS staff continue to provide eviction prevention and housing and security services for our home safe clients, and the Institute on Aging provides the other service model interventions. Specifically, in this grant, we have worked with the Department of Public Health and Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing and have focused the grant award to supporting vulnerable APS clientele in the community that the Department of Public Health has identified as needing higher tier health supports. The HomeSafe program funds come from the state and this grant will help San Francisco APS fulfill the mandates associated with this accepting these funds by providing intensive case management in housing transitions for congregate shelter residents when moving to nursing supported permanent supportive housing. Um, the other service model this supports is intensive case management and providing a funding bridge in housing transitions for individuals that are currently um, in the community to transition to residential care facility for the elderly that will ultimately be covered by the California Assisted Living Waiver Program. Thank you. You. Any questions from commissioners on this item or any comments? Oh. Good morning. I was expecting you to do a little dance too, but. Uh, <laughs> no song, uh, no dance. Uh, so, so this program, just, I just want to understand a little bit uh, uh, better, is, is, is a, uh, is a it kind of fills the interim need between a, a more permanent program of, uh, of uh, uh, care. Right, so there's um, the continued uh, component that's um, supporting um, APS clients that are um, experiencing housing instability, uh, at risk of eviction, et cetera. And then um, 
there's the housing transition components, which is what's covered in the grant. And so um, the Institute on Aging is layering in to um, support um, vulnerable, uh, the more vulnerable, more medically fragile um, folks in the shelters. Um, and so it's a, um, you know, kind of six to nine month um, support that they're layering in to help these folks get into those nursing supported units. And then the other component, which I think you're referring to, Commissioner Lum, is um, the um, connecting them to and then uh, assisting in patching what uh, Medi-Cal doesn't pay for when, they, uh, when certain folks need uh, to be moved to RCFE. So it's uh, the pilots funded through 2025 and um, ultimately, yes, we're paying a component and then we put them, we walk them through and get them onto the assisted living waiver program, which is permanent. Thank you. Just for clarification, RCFE is residential care. Just Facility for the elderly. So that's the permanent. Yes. Yeah. Okay, any other good question? Any other questions from commissioners clarifying? Clarifications needed. Okay, then are there any members of the public who wish to comment on item 12B? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on 12B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 12B. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their queue. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 12B? So moved. From uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington has moved. Uh, second from Vice President uh, Lum. Uh, could we please have a roll call? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? No. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you. Um, the uh, next item is 12C, requesting authorization to enter into grants with multiple providers for the provision of neighborhood-based programs for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $2,913,264 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,204,590 and Palo Salta <laughs> will present the item. Welcome. Uh, good morning, Commissioners. Uh, Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Palo Salto, Acting Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships. I first want to start with a bit of background. Um, DOS started funding uh, this portfolio of neighborhood-based programs in 2020 after the Dignity Fund needs assessment process revealed that among older adults and adults with disabilities, service, participa service participation across districts varied broadly. The goal was to establish unique and diverse programs that were not currently supported by DOS and use these new approaches to increase service utilization. These programs address the community connection and engagement service area outcome themes of awareness, empowerment, engagement and socialization, and of course, reducing social isolation. We seek to continue these goals in this new term through these five organizations. In the interest of time, I will only highlight a couple of these programs. Of course, more information can be found in the appendices of the different organizations, and I can provide more clarity after the presentation. 
Uh, first, Vernal Heights Neighborhood Center's mobile senior services will continue to offer group exercises, cultural and art activities, nutritional education and support, access to health and wellness information, social activities, and opportunities for continued education. These services will be, will be provided at the following senior housing sites, Coleridge Park Home, Alameda Housing, Market Heights in District 9, Amazon Senior Apartments in District 11, and St. Peter's Place in District 1. Next, UCSF's Memory and Aging Center will also continue to provide programming through its Community Arts for Brain Health Initiative. This brings together a diverse and talented group of artists, therapists, staff, and clinicians who work collaboratively, collaboratively with community-based organizations and clinics to bring art and movement-based engagements along with brain education into spaces where older adults and adults with disabilities congregate. Small group sessions of 6 to 10 community members will interact directly with experts in brain health and geriatrics while exploring health inequities, learning about brain health and modifi modifiable risk factors, and expressing themselves creatively through photography, movement, storytelling, visual arts, and craft making. This structure allows for the deinstitutionalization of brain health information from a medical research facility and improves access to expert clinicians through informal interactions and making space for genuine, open, and deep conversations on often stigmatized subjects such as cognitive behavioral changes, nutrition for brain health, and vaccine safety and efficacy. One workshop that will be available is called Aging and Afrofuturism. This, this series invites black and African-American women from the Bay Area to reflect on their experiences and views on resilience while examining their sense of self and concepts of being a strong black woman. Community artists, primarily from the Bayview Hunters Point neighborhood, will create visual art pieces and narratives that incorporate elements and principles of Afrofuturism movement, uplifting voices and lived experiences of aging and frequently marginalized San Francisco community members. We are very excited and proud to continue to support these diverse programs within the community connection and engagement service area and truly expand the different models that we have available that address social isolation and loneliness. I seek your approval on this item and I'm open to answering any questions. Are there questions or comments from commissioners on, these, on this item? Well, um, I, I wanted to thank you for this, and uh, I, this is, I, I came here from serving on the Arts Commission for four years, so uh, this whole meeting is just really working for me today, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, wow. So, um, and I'm really impressed with the, the range uh, and the specificity of, of community uh, th that's reflected in what I'm seeing here and what I'm hearing. Um, so I just wanted to, uh, you know, give you a shout out of appreciation for that. Thank you. Anything else? Yeah. I have a comment and two questions. Okay. My comment is, uh, first, I, I do, as uh, Commissioner Park Pennington said, uh, really pleased to see this uh, contract in place. Um, I'm very supportive of neighborhood-based services because I think it makes it really easy for our clients to be able to access services. Um, what I'm really pleased also to see in this contract is uh, specific information regarding outreach um, and that there's uh, 
uh, plans for connecting uh, individuals to resources and that there's an establishment of an advisory board. Mm -hmm. I think those three components really kind of put all this program together and I'm really pleased to see that. Um, my two questions are, are minor. One small specific to the contract and the other is kind of a larger uh, question. Uh, the specific question is I know in looking at the site chart that there is not an address for um, Next Village. Where exactly are they? Where do they provide the services? It's, it provides a P.O. box number on the site chart. Let me make sure I get to that place. Yeah, sure. Good morning, members of the commission. I'm Jacqueline Zimmer-Jones, and I'm the director at Next oh, Village San Francisco. Thank you for being here. <laughs> yes. So where are you? <laughs> so our services are in... Uh, Supervisor districts two and three. We have next village programs in each area. The item on today's agenda, agenda pertains to District Two University, which is a special program funded by the Dignity Fund that provides services to uh, older adults in District Two mm -hmm. down in the marina. But our off down. our physical office uh -huh. is 704 Filbert okay. at, at Columbus in North Beach. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, and then my question larger is, I noticed, uh, I'm pleased to see that there, we're, look, we're looking at the uh, results of the needs assessments of Dignity Fund to basically kind of pull this together. Um, I noticed there is no um, services being provided for districts four and eight. Those are the two gaps. Um, are there future plans to make that happen or has there been discussion about that? Yeah, we're always open to organizations kind of coming up whenever this term renews that presents new programs in those districts. We also have a collection of other, of course, grants that we have available, community services being one of them that still address social isolation. But in terms of neighborhood-based, every time the term renews, we're open to we're always open to new proposals and new organizations joining this portfolio of programs, of course. Great, thank you. And I, uh, any other questions? Um, I also noticed the um, advisory board as being part of this, and is that unique to this, what do I call this, model of programming? It is, may not be unique, okay. but it's definitely new and something that um, it's great to see. Um, we really want to hear from the members that are receiving these services. They are able to provide feedback on the programs they want to see. You know, we see that in some contexts in our other grants as well, but here we really lined it out in our scope to make sure that there is an advisory board that meets and they can have empowerment in making sure that the program that they see and also receive is, is listened and of um and acted on yeah and it seemed like a, a high bar is set that you stayed at 10 or 12 people on each one i think i noticed and that's really robust yes. and it's a challenge i think of course if the if if they're able to attend the meetings in their neighborhood as commissioner Jung is saying it's easier to get people maybe to and they see the direct um benefit of what they're getting. So it, it just seems like a very good thing to do. And then they also probably help us with the outreach, right? Very much. So, word of mouth yeah. is yeah. one of the strongest yeah. ways for outreach, yeah. especially with our population. And I just really encourage that. That seemed, seemed great. Like, it, like we both noticed it. <laughs> so something that's different. That's good. Any other comments from commissioners? I think I did. Then any other public comment? 
Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda mm -hmm. item 12C? Check the comment. Good morning, commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. Uh, my name is Donna Boer. I'm the director of Next Villages District 2 University, or D2U for short. I want to thank you for funding programs like D2U that not only help seniors learn about disability and aging services, but also provide valuable and much needed opportunities to connect and interact with others to combat what the Surgeon General has called an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. The D2U program launched three years ago, right after COVID changed our world. When you provided funding for the D2U pilot program, I don't think you could have envisioned how much the grant would impact and enhance seniors' lives in San Francisco. Throughout a pandemic and beyond, D2U provides a vital way for seniors to stay connected and share a laugh with others and learn. Uh, the clerk has given you some uh, of our newsletters. So they're 16 pages long. There's a few activities and events in there, but we hope you'll take a glance through them. We pro Next Village and D2U provides, typically provides about 40 or 50 intellectual, cultural, and social experiences a month. Many of our programs are suggested by D2U seniors and our amazing group of D2U advisors, all of whom live in District 2 and all of whom are seniors. Uh, some examples of upcoming programs, uh, learning, how, learning if you're eligible for market rate housing and how to apply with a senior counselor from Bayani Han Equity Center, housing counselor. Uh, we're going to do a tour of Hyde Street Pier to learn about San Francisco's maritime history with the National Park Ranger. Uh, it's amazing how many people in the city uh, have lived here for decades and haven't explored our city. We went to Fort Point a couple months ago, uh, and many people had never been there. Last month, we went to Alcatraz. Many people had never been there. So this is a chance for our seniors to actually get to see what people come from around the world to see. Uh, we also have a popular monthly book exchange at the Golden Gate Valley Library, so people can swap books and have a chance to catch up with others. Um, we've got a monthly improv class with District 2 resident Louise Vogel, so people can flex their creative muscles. I will not attempt to sing for you or do improv. I cannot compete. Um, we also have San Francisco history uh, presentations, walking programs, four weekly language conversation groups a month in French, Italian, German, and Spanish. And that's just a small glimpse of programs D2U provides. So I know this is a line item on the agenda, and I don't have time to tell you about all the programs the pilot program grant funded, but just to provide you one example of the, of the difference you have made. Our weekly Italian conversation group began in April 2020. In the, those early days of the pandemic, some people were a bit reluctant to Zoom, but they got the hang of it and soon there was no stopping them. Most of the group is in their 80s and 90s. Over the years, they've supported each other through health crises, traded stories, and have had a lot of fun together. People in the group regularly tell me how much the group means to them, not only to keep up their language skills, but to have a group of people who are there for them in good times and bad. And that's just one example of the simple magic that the Dignity Fund grant enabled. So thank you very much. On behalf of all the seniors who have benefited from D2U programs, we appreciate your support, and I personally want to thank you for allowing Next Village to continue to serve the amazing elders who participate in our programs and for allowing us to help seniors continue to build enriching social connections and contribute meaningfully to our community. Thank you. I heard the beat. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any other public comment? All right. Do we, uh, moderator, can you check the phone lines and see if uh, we have any callers in the queue? 
We have no callers in the queue. Thank you. Then uh, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve um, item 12C? From uh, Commissioner Jung has moved a second from second. Commissioner Parker Pennington, thank you. Uh, could we please have a roll call vote? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? No. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, commissioners, the next item is 12D, requesting authorization to enter into grants with Shanti Project for the provision of care navigation and peer support, social isolation prevention, and animal bonding services for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $9,111,840 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $10,023,024. And I believe Sarah Hoferberg is my note here. <laughs> there you are. We'll present. <laughs> Thank. Welcome. Thank you. Um, good morning, Commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Sarah Hoferberg, and I'm a Program Analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships at the Department of Disability and Aging Services. I'm here today to request your approval to enter into grant, new grant agreements with Shanti Project for the provision of care navigation and peer support social isolation prevention for LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disabilities, and animal bonding for LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disabilities. The system of social services in the city can be complex and navigating that system may seem daunting and often a barrier to accessing services. Many consumers are unaware of the array of services available through DOS. Care navigation and peer support programming was created to address these issues. Each of these grants utilize care navigation and peer support as they have proven to be effective in facilitating and improving service connection, lessening the burden of service navigation, and playing a crucial role in helping individuals get the right support at the right time. It can also provide consumer-centered support that helps enhance health, well-being, and the ability of older adults and adults with disabilities to live safely in their communities. The Care Navigation and Peer Support Program is designed to reach into the community and engage clients reluctant to seek DOS services with a goal of maximizing health, well-being, safety, and independence. The Care Navigation component utilizes paid staff to assess client need and help with navigation of barriers to accessing needed services. In the complementary peer support component, trained volunteers are matched to clients and provide emotional and practical support from social visit visits to accompanying clients to appointments. Recognizing the limited supported, supportive services available to address the emotional, behavioral, health, and social isolation challenges faced by LGBTQ older adults and adults with disabilities, DOS began funding programming designed to address social isolation in 2016. The Social Isolation Prevention for LGBTQ Older Adults and Adults with Disabilities Program seeks to address these challenges through care navigation, which includes information, referral, and care coordination, peer support, which utilizes volunteers to provide outreach and supportive services, and supportive programming that enhances emotional and, well and behavioral well-being and includes peer support groups, health education, and early intervention. Animal bonding services for isolated LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disability also utilizes care navigation and peer support. 
Working together, these two aspects of the program facilitate the delivery of animal companion support services and pet and pet supply needs. The value of, human, of the human-animal bond is beneficial to both. Having and caring for a pet has been shown to reduce stress, depression, and anxiety, and can lead to overall improved well-being and quality of life. The Care Navigator is the main point of contact for clients. The services of the Care Navigator include intake, follow-up, follow-up services identified, ongoing assessment, care coordination, information and referral needs, and follow-up related to the animal bonding needs of the client. In addition, the Care Navigator assists in the process of identifying and utilizing the peer support volunteer aspect of the program. The peer support volunteer works with the client to assist the individual in accessing pet support services. The support provided by the Animal Bonding Services Program enables LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disabilities to benefit from the companionship of having a pet. Um, that is my presentation, and I will do my best to answer any questions you may have at this time. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, do we have any comments or questions from commissioners? Seeing none, do we have any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 12D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 12D. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. Great. Then we will close public comment. Is there a, pub is there a motion to approve item 12D? So oh. moved. I'll recognize uh, Commissioner Bittner for, to move and a second from uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington. Can we please take a roll call vote to approve item 12D? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, Commissioner, the next order of business is item 12E and requires a vote by the commission. It is requesting authorization to modify the existing grant with the San Francisco LGBT Community Center for the provision of smart money coaching for the period of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $78,092 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $408,702. And Melissa McGee will present the item. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Commissioners, Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm a program manager at the Office of Community Partnerships at DOS. I'm seeking your approval to modify the existing grant agreement with the San Francisco LGBT Community Center for the Smart Money Financial Coaching Program. The purpose of this modification is to extend the current contract for one year. This will enable the program to continue to provide financial coaching services to the LGBTQ older, to LGBTQ older adults and adults with disabilities. The SF LGBT Center will provide financial coaching services in collaboration with the city's Office of Financial Empowerment, OFE, at the Office of the Treasurer and Tax Collector. OFE provides information and guidance on the financial coaching model, and we have partnered with them since the inception of this program in fiscal year 1718. 
Following this one-year extension, OFE will roll this program into their wider portfolio of financial coaching services provided to various city departments and populations. This one-year extension enables them to include this program in the request for proposals that will be released late fall of the upcoming fiscal year. And I request your approval to enter into this contract. Are there any questions? Do we have any questions from commissioners on this item? I just wanted to note, I appreciate the fact that the history of this is mentioned at the, in the beginning of this where um, we had a the LGBT community had a task force on senior issues a number of years ago now, and it was definitely one of those recommendations. Our community is, can be particularly vulnerable to financial abuse, and it was a, made a priority, and, and I think people's consciousness were raised about that. So to have that then become something that is now a good idea for uh -huh. <laughs> for other people, you know, is feels good that 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 kind of is is happening through the DOS uh, administration of this. So I appreciate all that is is put into this. Um, what seems like a small grant or a small idea, but it, it really isn't. It, it's very meaningful for a lot of people. So, anything else from commissioners? Matt, then do we have any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 12E? No. Moderator, can you please open the phone line for any public comments on 12E? We'll give a few minutes. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. All right, then hearing no further public comment, do we have a motion to approve item 12E from... So moved. I got you got first. Parker, uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington uh, moved and a second from Commissioner Jung. Uh, could we please have a roll call vote on item 12E? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks. We have a unanimous vote. Okay. Moving along, <laughs> commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item 12F, requires a vote by the commission. It is requesting authorization to enter into new grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of intergenerational programming during the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $3,596,760 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,950,000. $6,436, and uh, Paulo Salto will present this item. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. Hello again, Commissioners. Uh, Deputy Director Kaufman, Paul Salto, Acting Program Manager with Office of Community Partnerships. Um, as noted in the memo, this program is, was established through a recommendation in the, in the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment process, which revealed that revealed the need for services that allow older adults and adults with disabilities to interact with other community members, specifically youth and younger adults. These intergenerational programs will create opportunities for these generations to recognize and share their skills, needs, and experiences with one another and help build and expand communities. I wanna highlight a few benefits of intergenerational program from Nina Maddie Girona's thesis called, long title here, Care Across Ages, Opportunities for Early Childhood and Senior Intergenerational Shared Site Programs in San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, she included and interviewed our grantees from the last term and their participants. She notes, the most important benefit of intergenerational programming for older adults is reducing loneliness. Uh, 
This leads to increased confidence, improved feelings of self-worth, and decreased depression. These programs have also been shown to improve memory, cognition, and social engagement. Older adults engaging in these activities reported increased positive emotions, such as feeling happy, interested, loved, younger, or needed. Often, older adults simply find joy in watching children. As mentors, they are able to tap into a lifetime of experiences to guide the younger generation. They benefit from having a sense of purpose or responsibilities as role models for the children. In this term, we will have seven community-based organizations providing intergenerational programming, two of which will be new providers, Self-Help for the Elderly and Front Porch. In total, these organizations will provide 3,490 hours of programming and engage with 885 older adults and adults with, disability, adults with disabilities annually. One of the biggest challenges to intergenerational programming, like all other um, programs, is funding. Um, and again, it is great to see our department support this type of programming. I do want to end this with a plug. Um, there's a wonderful, wonderful video that uh, the HSA communications team has created. It currently lives on our DOS website. It features our executive director and Bayview Senior Services and their participants. Um, it just adds a lot of color to the documents that you guys see in front of us. Um, with that, I seek your approval on this item, and I'm open to answering any questions. Do we have any questions, comments? From commissioners? Yeah, I would love to. How would we find the, the video? I can share the link with Ravi, and um, Ravi can um, send it out to the commissioners. Thank you. Yeah. Great, thank you. And um, I'm completely supportive of this program. Um, and it was a very big and large and comprehensive <laughs> document, so I don't mean anything by this. But could you give just some examples of some? Intergenerational programming yeah. that's occurred in the past. Some of the activities yeah. that happen, yeah. storytelling is one of them. They all engage in that. Um, another provider with Sequoia Living, um, they also um, have a subcontractor where they talk about um, just events and um, challenges that different generations have gone through. And there's a lot of similarities. And they all kind of talk about current events and societal injustice that's happening. And there's a lot of camaraderie and just deep conversations that happen through that. And then there's also the fun events of painting, crafts. Um, in the video that you'll see with Baby Senior Services, you'll see just the engagement. There's also gardening that happened in that video. But it, it's a wide array, mm -hmm. um, and it's great to see kind of a wide spectrum of activities where deep conversations can happen, and then light, fun, airy, out in the garden activities are also occurring. OK, great. Yeah. And it seemed like some of these centers are places where both population groups gather their sort of community centers and so it might provide just sort of a natural environment for this kind yeah. of programming i so. mean it's great to see just now a lot of our senior centers becoming community centers right. where their doors are open and other generations are able to come in and just enjoy mm -hmm. the facilities great okay thank you yeah yeah i just have one more question too because uh you know i'm just wondering how you do the outreach uh, uh to get intergenerational participation since it's generally through you know senior centers and i know my son is 21 he's in a completely different world even though he lives in the same house so i, I wouldn't know how we would connect uh through some of these organizations yeah that's great i mean funding allows for that, as you can see. Um, one, now I'm forgetting the grantee, but Little Brothers Friends for the Elderly is a subcontractor with one of these grantees as well. That organization has a 
well-established cohort of volunteers that are younger and connecting these different organizations, the youth serving organizations with senior or older adult serving organizations and making sure that there is kind of financial connection and stability to make that kind of connection happen is one of the ways that we can be successful in that. Yeah. Great to know. Okay, any other questions, comments from commissioners on this item? Then any pub do we have any members of the public who wish to comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item F. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close <coughs> public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 12F? So moved. Uh, from, uh, moved by uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington and seconded by Commissioner Bittner. Uh, could we please have a roll call vote? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Right, thank you, Commissioners. Okay. Item G. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've got a special thing going on here, but it's also a big item, which took a couple pages in our agenda. This is agenda item G and requires a vote by the Commission. It's requesting right. authorization to enter into new grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of community services to older adults and adults with disabilities during the period from July 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $47,954,320 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $52,749,752 and I think Michael's on. No, it's all good. Hello, is, I'm here. Is, 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 Hello again, uh, commissioners. I have some put, put more, demonstrative more demonstrative uh, items for uh, today. Because now that we Let's have see. raised the bar, we, you're going to have to <laughs> add, add a dimension to your presentation, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big item, so please Yes, so this it. is yeah. a big one, so I'm hoping to provide a helpful graphic today. Let's oh, see. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we need to make note of the fact that one of our commissioners needs to recuse uh, herself from this item because part of it is funding for an item she's needs to recuse from got it so she'll be doing oh, that that's now. Right. yeah things. I'm sorry okay so the map displayed here and, and included in your packet are the 41 community centers that this grant funds each of them represented by a little pin on the map there uh, of San Francisco um, this agenda item, our community services program, this is really one of our foundational kind of programs with DOS and really the city of San Francisco. These are our community centers. Um, you know, this is kind of as a starting point of what this is, this is what we sort of know as senior centers or community centers. You know, it's a service model that is, you know, sort of <coughs> known everywhere and is utilized throughout the world, really. Um, the, what, what we're doing here is each of these sites represents, throughout the city, represents a, a dedicated space for older adults and adults with disabilities, a space that is reserved and to be filled with people and services designed to engage um, and enhance the cultural, educational, physical, 
uh, mental, nutritional well-being of people visiting that site. Um, across, you know, these, these many community centers come in a lot of different uh, shapes and sizes. Um, we have kind of baseline offerings across them as reflected in our contract documents. That's our activities that are happening um, at the sites. We also offer translation services, helping people interpret documents, as well as a social services component, which is um, uh, allowing to have staff on site to help kind of, you know, typically with a, with a quick transaction or a phone call or a quick coordination of something that maybe isn't requiring of a larger ongoing service that might be, that we might offer elsewhere. In our, in our network of services. Um, a new addition to this, um, to this grant cycle is we have um, five pilot programs uh, with the digital navigator uh, process. This is at five of these sites, we are going to have a staff person on site dedicated to assisting um, participants with digital or technology questions. And that can mean things like one-to-one -one assistance, how do I do this, kind of troubleshooting things, um, organized training um, for kind of common, common requests, um, help subscribing to low-income um, or, or reduced-fee internet services to get them in, to get that uh, set up at their home, as well as helping them access other programs that are offered um, at DOS or citywide to access um, devices or other ongoing training or support for technology. The idea there is, you know, with this pilot is, I think, to just sort of increase the, the avenues with which we address the digital divide, but also to kind of help identify our community centers as a place where someone can go with, with, a, um, with, a, uh, uh, with, a, with a technology question, kind of maybe helping you know, kind of answer one of those, where are the services or where do I go for services and, and identifying, you know, community centers as a place related to technology. Um, beyond what is mentioned in these contracts, there are many other things happening at these community centers. They are often co-located with many other services that we fund through different grants. These are um, our aging and disability resource centers, which provide information and referral for folks coming in. Um, nutrition programs, including our congregate meal programs that um, were very popular uh, pre-pandemic. During the pandemic, these community centers served as a hub to transition those to to-go meals, even doing things like moving in additional refrigerators or freezers to kind of help um, adjust and meet that new, that new um, pathway for services. Um, we have public computer labs at some of the sites. Uh, we have exercise classes. We have intergenerational programs, which we just talked about. We have choir programs, which we just talked about. Uh, we have Medicare counseling, uh, naturalization services, uh, support in peer groups, lots of different other things happening at these sites, kind of co-located, creating these spaces as offering you know, services to meet a large amount of need um, and really engage the community and bring people, bring people in. Um, this was a big packet. There was a lot to go through with this one. So I want to kind of just speak broadly about all these, all these dollar figures and service deliverables and how we, how we make sense of all of them. I would say that I alluded to this earlier that every community center is a little bit different. Um, and as we go through the procurement and contracting process, we have some general guidelines around um, cost controls and what we allow as expenses and things like that. 
But when we get down to each, indiv each individual site, we are often negotiating directly with that site around kind of um, their needs and the different sort of resources or, and things that they bring to, bring to the table when they provide services. And what I'm getting at with that is that some everyone has a little bit of different situation. Some, some folks own their, their building or are in a much larger building um, offering multiple services that helps cover rent. Um, some people are, have, have, have owned their building. Some are long-term uh, renters in nonprofit or state or federal buildings. Some people have moved just recently, um, well, kind of pre-pandemic and, and have higher rental costs because of you know, the ongoing costs. So at that individual level, we are looking at the cost of their service, um, assessing them for reasonableness um, based on the circumstances. Um, as well as negotiating out service units that are consistent with um, past performance and kind of a general sense of performance from other providers in similar situations. Um, again, I said 41 sites in total here. Um, some of our newest sites joining this time um, are uh, Booker T. Washington on Presidio Avenue in District 5, the Buchanan YMCA uh, in the Western Edition, the Bayview YMCA, um, in District 10, um, and I think they opened, I think, I believe last year, but um, are sort of more officially joining now, uh, Self-Help for the Elderly's uh, Geneva Community Center, which is out on Mission Street in District 11. So with that, I'm happy to, to answer any questions the commissioners might have. No, thank you for the comprehension. And the map, we did get this in our uh, PDF version and had a chance to look through, and the map was very helpful to see that. So thank you for bringing that into the um, presentation today. Any questions or comments from other commissioners before? We're well aware of all of these comprehensive programs. So um, any uh, anybody from the public who would like to comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 12G? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item G. We'll allow some time for callers to submit the queue. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. Okay, then we will close public comment. Is there a motion to approve um, item 12G from commissioners? So moved. From uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington is moved. Second from Vice President Lum. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item G? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Thank you. Oh, she's recused. Actually, Oh, yeah, we have four. That's fine. We, we were fine. I was counting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have unanimous vote. Thanks. Okay, great. And we should get... Uh, yeah, yeah thank you. We can't forget her. We'll wait. But congratulations. This was a, I just... This was a lot of work, I know, to put this together, and yeah. we really support all of the great things that are going to come out of it, I think. So, good work.
Okay, we'll move on to item H. Um, it also requires a vote by the commission. Review and approval of California Department of Aging Medicare Improvement for Patients and Providers Act, known as MIPA, contract MI 2324-06, the associated budget and all subsequent amendments, requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the elderly for the provision of health insurance counseling and advocacy program, known as HICAP, to include these funds for MIPA program administration for the period of September 1st, 2023 through August 31st, 2024 in the additional amount of $63,833 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $70,216. And Erica Maybaum is here to present. Thank you. Hi, good morning, Deputy Director Kaufman, Vice President Lum and Commissioners. My name is Erica Maybaum. Uh, program Analyst for the Office of Community Partnership. Uh, the item before you is a request to approve the California Department of Aging Medicare Improvements for Patients and Providers Contract, also known as MIPA. These are dollars that the California Department of Aging allocates usually once or twice a year to fund outreach and engagement for enrollment in low-income subsidies and the Medicare Savings Program. MIPA targets low-income communities and ESL or monolingual communities specifically. The low-income subsidies are tied to Medicare Part D, the prescription drug benefit to help meet premiums and co-pays. The Medicare Savings Plan, MSP, are to help cover Medicare Part A and Part B premiums. These funds have historically been added to our HICAP program, which is a Medicare counseling and advocacy program and has worked well in this model. Self-Help for the Elderly is the contractor that administers the HICAP program. And the MIPA program outreach and targeting fits well within the HICAP program as self-help has the institutional knowledge, the language capacity, and the networks within the community to get the information out and engage consumers about these benefits. I wanted to point out a few different allocation amounts. It's described in the memo, but I wanted to ensure that it's clear. The contract from CDA to the city and county is annual for an amount of 76509 for services from September 23 through August 2024. However, DOS runs on a different fiscal year timeline. Um, so the amount being considered for you to approve for self-help to administer the MIPA part is through the end of their current DOS contract, which runs through June 30th, 2024. So eight months as opposed to the allocation from CDA, which is 12 months. Given the end of the current contract with DOS in June of 2024, in June of, yes, 2024, a new RFP will be issued for the administration of MIPA and to spend down the remaining CDA dollars for this program. Your approval today will allow the department to execute the contract with CDA, with California Department of Aging, and subsequently modify agreements with our high cap contractor self-help to add these dollars and administer the MIPA program. So I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. No, but thank you. Thank you for explaining that nuance there and our funding periods. That, that, that's good for the record. Um, do we have any other comments or questions from commissioners on this item? No? Then do we um, have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item 12H? Are there any members of the public <coughs> that would like to comment on agenda item 12H? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item H. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. 
Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. And hearing no further uh, request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 12H? So moved. I heard from Commissioner Parker Pennington is a uh, moving and uh, a second from uh, Vice President Lum. Um, could we have a roll call vote, please? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have, we have unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next order of business is agenda item I requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with San Francisco Marin Food Bank for the provision of the CalFresh expansion program during the period of July 1st, 2023 through September 30th, 2025 in the amount of $288,783 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $317,661. And Lee Walton will present the item. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, uh, commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Leah Walton, and I'm a nutritionist for DOS. I'm seeking the commission's approval for a new grant agreement with the San Francisco Marin Food Bank for CalFresh expansion. On June 1st, 2019, CalFresh eligibility was expanded to include individuals receiving Supplemental Security Income, SSI. Since 2019, there have been broad and consistent efforts to conduct outreach and enroll these newly eligible SSI consumers into CalFresh. However, some gaps still remain. Uh, this funding will be directed toward CalFresh outreach and application assistance in zip codes 94110, 94116, and 94121, which were identified by HSA planning as having the greatest disparities between SSI and CalFresh participation. The estimated percent of SSI recipients not served by CalFresh in these zip codes is between 30 and 38 percent. Activities of the CalFresh expansion program will include outreach, partnership development, and application assistance. Outreach activities include developing materials, disseminating them through the community, uh, through community events, mailings, partnerships on the internet and through social media. And then partnership development would entail the grantee SF Marin Food Bank uh, establishing or engaging strategic partnerships with organizations operating in the identified zip codes to create inroads in those communities. And then one-on-one -on -one application assistance will be offered and provide clients help with determining potential income deductions, completing required paperwork, collecting required supporting documents, and providing follow-up to ensure consumers have been contacted for an eligibility interview by the county. Application assistance will coincide with older adult program services or will be located where older adults are likely to be reached, such as meal sites, senior housing, and community centers. That's my presentation. Thank you. I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, do we have any uh, questions or comments from commissioners on this item? Go, go ahead, please. Um, actually, I have uh, four questions. Uh, first, um, I just want to clarify, is this grant to work specifically with just SSI recipients, or is it to, um, to all older adults, including SSI recipients? It's all older adults, including SSI recipients. Okay. Um, also, I just wanted to clarify or ask if there are any plans or uh, specific, um, well, plans to, in terms of getting translated materials and bilingual staff 
to work on this project? Yes, um, so the food bank has uh, multilingual staff um, who speak English, Cantonese, Mandarin, Taishanese, Russian, Spanish, Tagalog, Korean, and Vietnamese. And then their uh, participant-facing materials would be in English, Spanish, Chinese, and Russian. Thank you. You were well prepared for that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she nailed it. <laughs> All right. Um, and I was wondering, uh, my third question is, um, under the service objectives, I noticed that there's a note that uh, there will be, in each fiscal year, six partnerships to be established. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, the partnerships are intended to, you know, reach more, reach clients who might be harder to reach otherwise. Um, so the, in the first fiscal year, the in 22-23, um, because it's the federal fiscal year cycle, um, they're going to do an outreach plan to really identify the groups in those zip codes, and then the partnerships will help actually um, them deliver their outreach into those into the community. Okay, so that's yet to be uh, established. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. And then my last question has to do with um, collaborating with actually human services agencies, CalFresh staff, who are so well familiar with eligibility. Is there some partnership that's going to happen between the staff who knows eligibility and uh, the food bank? Um, I, I would certainly, yeah, like to see that um, in, in, this, in this work. Um, the food bank has actually been reaching out about making partnerships in the ADRCs. Um, so that's one potential way that that would happen. But yeah, I do think collaboration with HSA makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Okay, thank you for the, uh, Vice President Lam. Good morning. Has there been any uh, effort to uh, that, uh, um, that has been made towards the veterans uh, community? Um, so for this, one of the zip codes is uh, 94116, which is the Outer Sunset, located near the VA, um, and I think the VA, there is not an outreach plan yet that's to be developed um, now through September, um, but I think that that could be one potential partnership. Thank you. Commissioners, then do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item 12I? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item I? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item I. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 12I? So moved. From uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington has moved. We have a second from I Commissioner Jung. Thank you. Uh, please uh, take a roll call vote. Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item J and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with self-help for the elderly. Am I reading the same thing? No. I think it's a different one or did I? It is different, yeah. yeah. I, I'm just making sure it's different, I, okay. 
Yes. Furnish a CalFresh Healthy Living Program during the period of July 1st, 2023 through September 30th, 2024 in the amount of $412,418 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $453,660. And uh, Leah Walton will also present this item. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes, I'll now present a second contract for the Commission's review and approval. This agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly is for CalFresh Healthy Living, uh, known federally as SNAP-Ed, which is short for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program Education. The CalFresh Healthy Living Program promotes healthy and active lifestyles through organized physical activity opportunities, nutrition education and policy systems and environmental improvements that support nutrition standards, water access and appeal, and edible gardens. Self-Help for the Elderly as the lead agency helps us provide CalFresh healthy living in the community for DOS consumers through our network of nutrition partners. This funding supports experiences, activities, and environments that meet the unique needs and interests of each nutrition partner site and the participants who frequent them. For example, some of our nutrition partners have used CalFresh Healthy Living Funds to make environmental enhancements to revive their lunchrooms after pandemic closures, such as appealing new drinking water stations or upgrades to serviceware. We have other nutrition partners who use CalFresh Healthy Living Funding to provide cooking demonstrations because their clients like learning how to prepare healthy meals and snacks or how to use produce they may have less experience with. We have other nutrition partners whose clients love to participate in the physical activity programs supported by this funding like Tai Chi, Bingo Size, and our newest pilot program, Everybody Loves Line Dancing, which has already been a big hit. A portion of funding is set aside to reach veterans, a federal nutrition service priority population. That portion of funding is subcontracted to the organization Swords to Plowshares, who uses it for health-promoting activities at five of their sites. The CalFresh Healthy Living Grant will continue to support nutrition, physical education, and health promotion activities at community sites that serve DOS consumers and will enhance the variety of CalFresh Healthy Living activities our partners provide. Thank you, and I'm happy to answer questions. All right, thank you. Um, are there any uh, questions or comments from commissioners on this item? Seeing none, do we have any members of the public who wish to comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item J? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item J, who allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. Great, then hearing no no further uh, public comment. We'll close uh, this item to public comment. Is there a motion to approve item uh, 12J from commissioners? From Commissioner Bender, thank you. And a second from Commissioner Parker Pennington. Uh, could we please have a roll call vote to approve item 12J? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have unanimous vote. Okay. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, then item K 
is the next order of business and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter a new grant with Southwest Community Corporation for the provision of food support for targeted neighborhoods for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024 in the amount of $230,770 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $253,847 and Tiffany Gang will, Dang will present this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners and Deputy Director Kaufman. My name is Tiffany Dang, and I'm a nutritionist at DOS. We are seeking the commission's approval for a new grant agreement with Southwest Community Corporation for food support within the targeted neighborhood of 94112. Improving geographic access to nutrition support is a key priority for the department. An intention of this program is to increase culturally relevant and linguistically accessible food support for older adults and adults with disabilities residing in 94112. This geographic zip code area has been identified by HSA as an area where community members would benefit from having improved access to culturally relevant food support. Additionally, many older adults and adults with disabilities face other challenges that can hinder their ability to procure proper nutrition to maintain a healthy lifestyle. They may encounter physical limitations, financial constraints, or limited access to transportation, making it difficult to obtain groceries. This new grant agreement will help bridge these gaps and improve the safety net for some community members living in this area. The food support program will operate at a Capuso, which is a new 130-unit affordable housing development at Upper Yard within 94112. Every week, the program will offer consumers culturally responsive supplemental groceries from one or more of the food groups on a set rotating weekly schedule and have at least one Chinese-speaking staff member dedicated to the program. The program will be a farmer's market style pantry, which allows consumers to choose the foods they want rather than having them receive pre-bag groceries. This gives consumers the freedom of choice and minimizes food waste. This grant will support the distribution of 7,800 supplemental grocery bags and serve at least 150 clients this fiscal year. Thank you for your consideration and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Um, any questions or comments from commissioners on this item? Okay, seeing none, do we have any members of the public who'd like to uh, provide public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item K? Speaker, you have three minutes, and I'll start it when you start, and I'll let you know when 30 seconds come up. I'm 81. Okay. I've already advocated for others today, so I'll advocate for myself, and that it's our um, Capuzas, our new site, we'll be moving into here in a couple of days, and um, we know that people will be um, coming from the outside of the community, moving into Capuso, as well as the residents who's li who live there, and helping them bridge the gap to supplement their food is part of our mission at Southwest Community Corporation, and we appreciate your opportunity to continue to address food insecurity. Thank you. And I'm Felicia with Southwest. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, any other public comments on this item? Do we have any? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment and agenda item K. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. 
Okay, thank you. We'll close public comment then. Is there a motion to approve item 12K from commissioners? So moved. From, uh, moved by uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington. Second. A second from Commissioner Jung. Uh, could we have a roll call vote, please? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. Um, the next order of business is agenda item L and requires a vote by the Commission. It is requesting authorization to enter into grants with multiple vendors for the provision of a volunteer visitor program for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $400,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $440,000. And Erica Maybaum will present this item. Welcome back. Hi there. Hello, Deputy Director Dearman, Acting President Knudsen, Vice President Lum, and Commissioners. Again, Erica Maybaum, Program Analyst for the Office of Community Partnership. For this item, I'm seeking authorization to execute a new grant agreement for the Volunteer Visitor Program with two grantees for the provision of social isolation and loneliness prevention efforts. These two agencies are Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired and Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly. The Volunteer Visitor Program is available to all older adults and adults with disabilities. The program is designed to match participants with a visitor to socially connect with them at least twice a month. The program aims to reduce isolation and increase connection to their community. There's a minimum six-month commitment expected of all volunteers. Participants and volunteers are screened for their interests, hobbies, language skills, and other relatable factors which help identify suitable matches. The activity for the visit is up to the participant and the visitor and could include activities such as outings, helping with tasks, shopping, exercising, um, rides to community spaces or medical appointments. Um, grantees will recruit screen, including a background check, train volunteer visitors, including how to report suspected or abuse or self-neglect to APS, and an overview of the services available at DOS. There's also ongoing trainings for volunteers throughout their commitment. After a background check and a training is when volunteers are matched with a participant. As far as recruitment, grantees conduct outreach to recruit participants and volunteers from a diverse backgrounds. Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly actively recruits volunteers through their website. They also use Google ads through an outside grant that they have received and via word of mouth. Um, subsequent to showing interest, volunteers are invited to attend a mandatory orientation session before starting the onboarding process. Unique to this program is that it's intergenerational, uh, it's intergenerational aspect because the volunteers are between the ages of 18 and 22. Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired recruits volunteers through their subscription and regular posts on Volunteer Match. Volunteer Match is a well-known and established online platform that helps nonprofits identify interested volunteers. Volunteers have also found Lighthouse through just normal Google searches. Both grantees have also used community and volunteer fairs to find volunteers, though these continue to be stalled since COVID. Um, this is a relatively small grant, but the combined annual totals for this program include um, UDC of uh, unduplicated clients of 110, uh, 135 volunteers recruited and screened, trained volunteers connected to clients, um, 90 different pairs, and 
2040 number, that's the number of visits provided to clients by the volunteer visitors. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you for that detail. We appreciate understanding the numbers. It seems like we're getting a lot out of it, so that's great. Any other questions from commissioners on this item? No? Okay, any, uh, do we have any public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item L? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item L. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. Okay, then we will close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item 12L? So moved. It's been moved by uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington. A second? Second from our commissioners? I, I second. Thank you, <laughs> Commissioner Jung. Uh, can we please take a roll call vote to approve item L? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? No. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item M and requires a vote by the commission, review and approval of the contract with the San Francisco Health Plan for provision of enhanced care management along with associated exhibits, fee structure, and all subsequent amendments to San Francisco Health Plan members. And Melissa McGee will present this item. Welcome back. Hello. Is it still morning? It is. Yes. Good morning, commissioners, Deputy Director Kaufman. Again, Melissa McGee with the Office of Community Partnerships. I'm seeking your approval to enter into contract with the San Francisco Health Plan for the provision of enhanced care management, ECM, services to community living fund program clients who are members of the San Francisco Health Plan. This ECM program is part of the state's CalAIM, which is California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal Initiative. CalAIM uh, is uh, an initiative by the State Department of Healthcare Services with the goal to improve the quality of life and health outcomes for Medi-Cal members by implementing a broad delivery system, program, and payment reform with the goal to address social determinants of health and improve uh, health equity statewide. As part of the CalAIM initiative, enhanced care management is a whole person interdisciplinary approach to care and addresses um, clinical and non-clinical needs of members. Um, the goal is uh, systematic coordination of services and comprehensive care management. So the health, San Francisco Health Plan's ECM program will serve several populations of focus, but the two that we're interested in are adults at risk of institutionalization and adults in skilled nursing facilities transitioning to community living. These are individuals that DAS has been serving since uh, 2007 through the CLF program, thereby aligning with the goals of the CalAIM ECM program. Our CLF program provides intensive case management, which mirrors ECM, and will continue to serve its target population in addition to referred health plan members. As you may recall, when I presented the CLF annual plan at May Commission, we uh, talked about our plan to serve SF health plan members who meet eligibility for the CLF program. 
For the past few months, DAS and CLF through IOA have served clients in the ECM program, and billing for these services has been done manually while waiting for this contract between DAS and the health plan. For the health plan members served by CLF and receiving ECM services, DAS will file claims for reimbursement of covered services. Funds received by DAS for these members will be used to offset the city's general fund. So once this contract is certified, the SF Health Plan will refer clients to DAS for ECM services that will be provided by the CLF program administered by DAS through our contract with the Institute on Aging. I request your approval to enter into this contract and hope to answer any questions. Any questions from commissioners on this side? I just uh, a question of clarification. San Francisco Health Plan is, is the uh, plan that covers all San, city and county of San Francisco employees and retirees. Uh, the San Francisco Health Plan cover is a managed Medi-Cal program, so all Medi-Cal recipients in the city are either managed by the health plan or Anthem. Okay, great. Thank you. We actually have universal health care coverage in this city. You know that. I'm just being... <laughs> right? That's... This that, is, that's how we cover everyone in San Francisco oh, through the San Francisco Health Plan. Separate from, uh, well, I don't know. Well, it's that. an attempt anyway to have okay. universal <laughs> health care. Yeah. Right. We're looking for other programs mm -hmm. that might cover. Mm -hmm. San Health Plan is potentially one. Right, right, right. And I confused it too, being an ex-city employee when I was reading this going, no, no, that's the, the, the universal health care plan we came up with years ago to, co to cover the gaps for people that need it, yeah. So one other, just to follow up on that, is that um, it sounds like this uh, investment will um, prevent uh, additional costs that might result from people being institutionalized um, or a prolonged institutionalization? The services would be provide, uh, covered by the health plan, yes, to serve those people, hopefully, to help people return to community living and those who are at risk for institutionalization. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, any other questions from commissioners? This is a complicated th sequence mm -hmm. of things, and we appreciate the way you walked us through that. Yeah. Anything else? Then do we have any um, members of the public who want to comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item M? Uh, moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item M. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. All right, then we will close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners? Okay, to approve item M, I heard from Commissioner Bittner, who's moved a second from? Uh, I second. From <laughs> Commissioner Jung, thank you. Um, can we please have a roll call vote? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Commissioner Linda Parker-Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks. We have a unanimous vote. Thank you. Okay, thank you, commissioners.
Uh, the next order of business is agenda item N and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter into grants with multiple vendors for the provision of case management services, clinical collaborative services, and a veterans justice court services for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $17,427,704 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $19,170,476. And Erica Maybaum will present this item. Welcome back. Hi there. Third time? Yes. Third time. Okay. <laughs> Last but not least. Hello, commissioners. Erica Maybaum, program analyst for the Office of Community Partnership. Um, <clears throat> I'm requesting your consideration and approval to enter into contracts with multiple providers of case management services and a clinical collaborative program. Given there are three programs for your consideration, I wanna briefly present on each of them and afterward I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. I'm first gonna present on the multiple grantee DOS funded case management. The purpose of DOS funded case management programs is to facilitate service connections to older adults and adults with disabilities with the goal of maintaining optimal level of functioning in the most independent setting of choice of the client, for the client. Under DOS-funded case management services um, may include, but are not limited to, each client receiving a comprehensive assessment, goal or service plan implementation, connections to health services, money management support, and other community resources. All of the case management programs contain core elements to ensure standardization and effective delivery of services. Core elements include a centralized waitlist and an online module to document and track the progress, client's progress. The agencies for your consideration today are located citywide and also because of our centralized intake and waitlist system, agencies are expected to serve clients citywide no matter where their location is. Current language capacity of case management staff includes Spanish, Japanese, Korean, Russian, Cantonese, Mandarin, Fukian, and, v and Vietnamese. In addition, all DOS-funded programs have access to the language line, which has the availability of 240 languages. The Clinical Collaborative provides additional support to agencies providing DOS-funded case management, including supervisors and case managers. The clinical collaborative staff are licensed clinical social workers or marriage and family therapists. The collaborative will provide one-on-one -on -one and small group case consultation, as well as monthly meetings and ongoing training and support for both case managers and their supervisors. All providers under consideration today have previously provided DOS-funded case management services. I am very excited to briefly share with you the information on the third program within this grant. The Veterans Justice Case Management Program is a brand new grant for DOS and will expand the Office of Communities Partnerships portfolio of, serving specific, of services specifically for veterans. In order to be eligible for this program, clients must be veterans with criminal cases in San Francisco and are court ordered from a judge attend court as ordered, meet with clinical staff regularly, follow the treatment plan recommendations, and willing to participate in the program. Expectations of the Veterans Justice Case Management Program include a comprehensive assessment, providing case management services, including referrals to resources such as substance use and mental health treatment referrals, education or training for employment, resources for support for legal issues and therapeutic groups. 
Veterans Justice Case Management Program requires accompaniment to court appearances and case conferences and tracking compliance with treatment and reentry plans with the client. Um, this was my very brief run through of the programs. Um, I'm requesting your consideration and approval to enter into contracts with the agencies detailed in your commission table. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. Do we have any questions on this or comments? Okay, seeing none, do we have any public comment on this item? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item O? M. N. N. Uh, moderator, can you please open the phone line for any callers? Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? We have no callers in the queue. Thank you very much. Okay, then hearing none, uh, we'll close public comment. Do we have any uh, a motion from uh, commissioners to uh, uh, approve item 12N? So moved. Thank you. Uh, moved by uh, Commissioner Parker Pennington, a second. I second. Uh, thank you. From Commissioner Jung, uh, could we please have a roll call vote on item 12N? Vice President Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Linda Parker Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. I think that. And thank you. Uh, do we have any, uh, for item 13, do we have any announcements? Commissioners? I don't have an announcement, but I just want to take a moment here uh, to just extend my uh, thank and appreciation to staff uh, for um, how well um, and how well prepared and how thorough and comprehensive their presentations are here at the commission. Uh, the presentations are always clear, concise, uh, well prepared to answer all our questions. And note that um, the, the memos are prepared, are clear, they um, provide uh, just the right amount of information to make our jobs as commissioners easier in terms of reviewing the work that's been done by staff. And I know there's a whole lot of work behind mm -hmm. the, the whole lot of paperwork that we, <laughs> we look at. So I just want to extend my, my thanks and, and uh, and combination to staff that for the excellent work being done. I mean, the, the, this was a, an enormous agenda, uh, and we. I just want to echo the same thing. We really appreciated it as we read through this and realized how many, how much work goes into this, and how, how many dollars are getting moved because of of this, and how important it is. So, <laughs> thank you for that. I think I wanted to make a note that we are having a. a month off right for yes. august hopefully that gives you all a little break a little break <laughs> <laughs> no from, from ne never from the work but at least from preparing all of, right. for these meetings so uh we hope that you have a, a a little bit of time off around that or take some time off because of that so i will adjourn the meeting and next meeting i promise you you'll have your new commission I, president vice president yes go ahead i just want to echo what uh my fellow commissioner had said i mean they, they, i really appreciate the, the amount of work that has gone to it. I mean, look at this. <laughs> and I have to confess, I have not read the whole, whole thing. <laughs> um, however, now that we have a, a month off, I will go through it. <laughs> that, that is a promise. Thank you so much. Okay. I, I just want to say, too, I think that you all have raised a very uh, high bar now 
because we're going to expect mu- music and dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, right. you know, maybe a little interpretive whatever spoken word uh, at a future meeting. So thank you for that. Yeah. Pu- public comment has just got a few dimen- more dimensions to it. <laughs> yes. so. Anyway, thank you for that, too. All right. We adjourn- I'm adjourning. <laughs> okay.